As it's our practice now this year to have a martyr, we'd appreciate you coming and sharing one with us this morning. As our brother Newell mentioned in 2019, it is the intent of the church to present a martyr on every Sunday, as we have done in the past, and doing this instead of a psalm to prepare our hearts and minds as we come before the worship of the Lord. Brother Adam started us off last Sunday with an introduction to what we are looking to accomplish. And in his presentation, I received a note from my 10-year-old son sitting beside me and asked the question, why are we talking about something so disgusting and about death? Mm-hmm. And I kind of gave him a puzzled look, but then throughout the week I've been challenged by that question, why are we doing this? Why would we take time on a Sunday morning to talk about probably the most atrocious things that could come to mind if you were to look at some of the deep things that went on during the persecutions of Christians. And why would we want our children and and so on to sit beneath that as we are talking about these things? Well, uh, in, in thinking about this, two thoughts came to mind that I want to open with. And the first one is quite simple, although more important than the second, and that is, do we love the Lord Jesus Christ like we should? It's, it's, really, it's really that simple, and that's been mentioned several times in the last couple of weeks about uh, 2019 and some goals that we have for ourselves. No other goal matters, really. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ like we should? And in going over these martyrs throughout 2019, I believe we're going to find that there are some in the past and even not so distant past that certainly did love the Lord Jesus Christ even unto the death. Amen. The second thought that came to mind in, in considering this question is why is it so little regarded in 2019 compared to the past? It doesn't take very much reading to realize that the 1260 years from roughly the late 400s into the 1600s was a time of great anguish and pain that the world rarely has ever experienced anything close to it for those that took up the name of Christ. One of the longest and cruelest persecutions that has ever taken place has been disregarded by those that would like to pretend it never happened. The atrocities that took place in parts of Italy, France, Spain, Germany, and many other parts of the world are truly beyond our comprehension. We just don't have the mind to grasp the things that took place and the, the expanse that it uh, took place over. Adam gave us a long list of physical tortures. If you remember from last Sunday, <clears throat> it seemed to go on and on. The things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Christians endured. However, even with that long list, he was very kind to stop when he did and not mention some of the things that took place to some of those Christians during those times. And uh, you should consider the kindness from him, and I won't get into those today, but know that the things that we talk about in this pulpit, although horrible, don't even scratch the surface of some of the additional things that the persecutors of Christians did to our brethren. Mm -hmm. The problem is we've been conditioned to think that we can all agree to disagree in 2019. Because of this, this is how people, they tell us, is they've always gotten along. Everyone's always agreed to disagree. There's, uh, there's, there's not much further from the truth. 
all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. There's been so much lost over the years that in 2019, the Dark Ages have been changed into the Middle Ages. Now we have Unitarian churches. Evangelicals include Catholics. Paulicians came from some form of Manichaeism. Martyrdom is just standing up for a cause. Persecution is the persecuted's fault. Mother Teresa loves everybody, and the Pope just wants world peace. That's the state we find ourselves in in 2019, but that has not been the case for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, here we go. Here's my martyr for today. Here's one of those faces in the cloud of witnesses that starts Hebrews chapter 12, where Adam left off in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll read those verses to you so that you can put a face with the crowd that stands above you. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's what these Christians did, did, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here are 31 of those witnesses. Pastor Gerard, the year 1160, the place Oxford, England. Pastor Gerard of Gascony and his followers, 30 of them emigrating down into Oxford. Not long after arriving in Oxford, they had attracted the attention of the government because of their Baptist testimony, even of their enemies to be considered eminently spiritual people. William of Newberry, a monkish historian of the time, wrote about these people that the broadest provinces of France, Spain, Italy, and Germany had been infested by these pests. And I put a note here, I believe it was our brother Paul that was said of him, he was a pestilent fellow from the sect of the Nazarenes. This monkish historian is, uh, is also quoted as saying, if one is thoroughly tainted by this pest, they will rigidly hold out against all discipline. Their testimony becoming so apparent, they were branded as publicans, but it is to be said that that was a mockery of their obvious beliefs showing them to be Paulicians, which we heard a little bit about on Wednesday, being another name for those followers of the Apostle Paul. Hence it very rarely happens, here again the the monkish historian, I'll say monkish several times because it is an enemy of these people that would say these things, but yet his words became true as history. Hence it very rarely happens that any of them, whenever they are betrayed and dragged out of their lurking places, are ever converted to piety. Once Pastor Gerard and his friends had been brought before the spectacle of a trial because of their beliefs, all the pomp and show that is to be a Catholic trial, quoting again from those in, in that time, no real trial that involved the Catholic Church was much more than a spectacle for them to show off their Romish popery which at the time was by a jury, because all of this was happening under the reign of King Henry II. 
it became obvious they did not have the due process to defend themselves, nor was a witness allowed to prove their innocence in this trial. Once questioned, Pastor Gerard spoke for them, for all that they were and that they were Christians, and that they venerated the doctrines of the apostles, held them to be true, and believed in them wholly. As more particular inquiry was made, it became apparent that these also denied several of the leading doctrines of the Romish church, including purgatory, prayers for the dead, the invocation of saints, transubstantiation, and the baptism of infants, which I believe we can all agree to those. They would admit nothing contrary to the word of God, and while acknowledging themselves unable to argue all the points brought forward by their cunning adversaries, they positively refused to surrender the faith which they held, or to join in the idolatrous services of the papal church. After this, they were threatened with the severest sufferings, but with which they answered, Blessed are they who suffer for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> After being accused to the king of being obstinate heretics, they were sentenced to be whipped through the streets of Oxford as an example to others, and then to be branded with a hot iron on their foreheads so that all would know they were heretics. Anyone showing them the least sympathy would also be punished with the severest of penalties. Pastor Gerard was given an additional firebrand on his chin to make special note that he was their pastor and leader. Once branded, they were turned over to the local authorities to be tried again with the understanding that death was imminent. The church thought they could keep their hands clean by making it a civil issue that would cause the sentence of death and not themselves. But rather than something easy and quick that they would have chosen, every man, woman, and child had their clothes cut to the girdles, and then they were cast into the harsh winter where, quoting, the snow had covered every field and hedge. There they were left to suffer hypothermia and die. The historian concludes that their lot should have been one of misery and anguish as they were cast out, but rather has to admit that their steps did not linger, but rather with rejoicing and much joy as Pastor Gerard led them in singing, Blessed are ye when all men shall hate you. And with this, they were all watched to perish. Thank you, Nathan. That was one of the most, as you read these things in history, was the most galling things for our enemies. The fact that, as Nathan pointed out, rather than being, oh, woe is me, they were rejoicing. I mean, we'll, we'll hear it as time goes on, but there's accounts of where men... We're supposed to be burned at the stake, right? Normally they'd have big heavy chains, they'd stick around them. Sometimes those chains would fall off, and the guys were like, well, don't worry about it, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. Because they were more concerned about being faithful to the Lord, and especially since they knew they were dying, that meant that, wow, I'm leaving this world. I'm getting out of this veil of tears, and I'm going to see my Lord. Why would I want to avoid that? Why would I want to avoid that? May we have the same attitude. May we feel the same way as Pastor Gerard and his flock were. 